A group of French lawmakers arrived in Taiwan early Wednesday. During their planned six-day stay, the lawmakers will meet with President Tsai Ing-wen and other top government officials. This group is the third sent by the French parliament over the past year in a sign of warming relations between Taiwan and France. Also on Wednesday, a delegation from Slovakia signed a judicial cooperation agreement with Taiwan's foreign minister, Joseph Wu. Okay, Members of a French delegation give a thumbs up and smile for the camera after arriving at the Taoyuan airport. French Senator Joel Guerriot introduces the delegation, which represents five political parties. Despite their different affiliations, they share a common concern for Taiwan issues. Taiwan is a dynamic Asian country and a model of democracy. Our delegation is very happy to have the opportunity to visit. The delegation is set to meet with President Tsai Ing-wen and other top officials. The visit is the third by French politicians in the past year, following a visit last October by French lawmakers and another last December by a delegation from the French National Assembly. A Slovakian delegation is also in Taipei this week. Foreign Minister Joseph Wu awarded a Medal of Friendship to Slovakia Taiwan Parliamentary Group Chairman and Slovakian MP Peter Osuski. Wu also inked a judicial cooperation agreement with the visiting Slovak delegation. Chairman Osuski once called Taiwan a force of good. And I would like to repay the compliment for a country like Taiwan because you deserve fair and equal treatment from the all countries in the world. At an afternoon press conference in Taipei, Osuski told reporters that as long as he had a breath left in him, he would stand with Taiwan and show it his resolute support. Your flag should hang on the building that is your representative. So I could say with him, I am a Taiwanese because you deserve that we stand behind. Asked how he would respond to pressure from Beijing, Osuski said he would do so without fear. We are not afraid we will come again and welcome Taiwanese colleagues and friends in Slovakia. Taiwan is much more important investor country in Slovakia than the mainland China. We should appreciate real partners and friends. The European Parliament on Tuesday passed a report on security challenges in the Indo-Pacific region. Taiwan is described as an important partner in the region. So far this year, the European Parliament has adopted five reports containing pro-Taiwan statements. Through such reports and through consecutive delegations, European nations are demonstrating strong support for Taiwan. COVID's single-day death toll hit 159 on Wednesday to reach another new high. All but two of the deaths involved people with cancer or pre-existing chronic diseases. Also on Wednesday, the CECC reported 80,195 domestic infections. Taichung had more than 11,500 cases, the most of any city or county. According to the CECC, Taiwan's daily case count will continue to rise over the next few days. But based on the government's most optimistic projections, the outbreak could start to cool as early as next week. The CECC also released new data on breakthrough infection rates. Among adults who are triple-vaxxed, the infection rate is about 3.03%. Among double-vaccinated people aged 12 and up, the infection rate is 3.36%. 
A five-year-old boy has become Taiwan's second case of MISC after a COVID infection. MISC, or multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, is a rare but potentially fatal complication in which the heart, lungs, brain, or other organs become inflamed. Doctors say children should be monitored for MISC within six weeks after a COVID infection. Signs of the condition include a persistent fever accompanied by gastrointestinal problems or a skin rash. Taiwan has reported another case of MISC, or multi-system inflammatory syndrome, in children. It involves a five-year-old boy who was diagnosed with a mild COVID case in late April. After undergoing three to four weeks of home care, he developed a fever that persisted for seven days. He also experienced symptoms including bloodshot eyes, stomach pain, and diarrhea. After being hospitalized for five days and receiving high-dose immunoglobulin treatment, he was able to mount a recovery. This patient was already showing signs of heart damage as well as myocarditis. He also had blood clotting abnormalities of the hematopoque system. In addition to that, he had gastrointestinal problems. According to physicians, MISC mainly occurs in children aged 6 to 12. Overseas data indicates a fatality rate of 1 to 2 percent. In the six weeks following infection, a child who develops a persistent fever accompanied by gastrointestinal problems or a skin rash should receive medical attention immediately. Overseas, one in every 3,000 COVID patients is diagnosed with it. Here in Taiwan, if we are aware and vigilant, I think that we'll be able to provide early treatment and reduce the rate of diagnosis. Right now, there are people saying that we can bring it down to one in every 10,000 COVID patients. The doctor reminded parents that shivers and convulsions are different symptoms and that there are a number of ways to identify the difference. Before a fever, there are usually chills. The child will tremble all over. Sometimes they will have shivers, which can be confused for convulsions. However, convulsions are not followed by a fever. And sometimes after convulsions, a child will become lethargic and can't be snapped out of it. The doctor also warned that in the case of infants under three months old, parents should rush the child to the emergency room if a fever occurs, regardless of the perceived cause. A Taipei court has granted a man's request to have the names of his parents and spouse removed from his national ID card. The man, Chen Hongqi, who happens to be an attorney, had gone to the Wenshan Household Registration Office last year to have his ID card reissued. He wanted nearly all his personal information removed from the card on grounds of privacy. When his request was refused by the registration office, he took his case to court. It was intended as a civic action to further the protection of personal privacy. In my practice as a lawyer, I see ID cards and can instantly access very personal information about you against your will. If we really want to discuss this in terms of laws and regulations, we need to go all the way back to the Constitution. Is it really necessary to require the disclosure of so much personal information to the outside world? In its ruling, the Taipei High Administrative Court ruled partially in Chen's favor. It agreed that there was no need for his ID to contain the names of his parents or his spouse. However, the court denied his request to omit other personal information, including his place and date of birth and his permanent address. The Ministry of the Interior, which issues national ID cards, has protested the ruling and plans to appeal.
A school for military skills in New Taipei says student numbers have almost quadrupled since the war broke out in Ukraine. New students say the war begun by Russia has brought the threat to Taiwan from Beijing into sharp focus. The school teaches students how to handle a gun, as well as military tactics and other skills that might be useful in a battle. We took a trip to the school to find out more. The trainer barks an order. Students raise their rifles and fire, not forgetting to check over left and right shoulders. They advance in a straight line, firing as they go. Then it's practice in a vertical formation, firing in alternating rounds, highly synchronized. This military skills training academy has recently enrolled many new students keen to learn battle skills that could defend Taiwan. It was mainly the Russia-Ukraine war that made me really feel the threat from China, for real. I started coming to the class because of the war. Many students we interviewed mentioned the war in Ukraine, saying it had brought the threat from Beijing into sharp focus and spurred them to take up the classes in gunmanship. In an interview with Reuters, the school revealed that it's almost doubled its budget for air guns and other non-metallic projectiles in the last three months. Many new students are total beginners. Student numbers started growing about two years ago when the Chinese planes were invading Taiwan's airspace. Since the war began in Ukraine, our student numbers have grown by 300 or 400 percent. And they're not all men. Female student numbers are growing, too. They come to learn gunmanship, as well as military tactics and first aid. Many people believe that Taiwan should be preparing for a military conflict, considering the plight of Hong Kong and Ukraine. Some students have also prepared emergency kits. China will definitely attack, for sure, for sure. I think it's just a question of time. I'm sure most of us don't want to go into battle. I don't want to go into battle. But if something should tragically happen, then I'll be prepared psychologically. The Ukraine war has left a deep impact on Taiwan, where fears about military aggression from Beijing are at their highest level in decades. At its annual shareholders meeting, contract chipmaker TSMC said it expects 30 percent revenue growth in this fiscal year, despite a host of global uncertainties. TSMC chairman Mark Liu projected that sales growth would top last year's 24.9 percent, driven by demand from 5G and automotive electronics. He said the firm was pushing forward with its Taiwan expansion and had also begun construction of factories in Japan and the U.S. TSMC Chairman Mark Liu strides briskly into the shareholders' meeting amid the pandemic, Russia-Ukraine war, Chinese lockdowns and softening demand for consumer electronics. Investor anxieties were high on Wednesday. Last year, revenue grew by 24.9 percent. This year, we expect to reach 30 percent growth. With the acceleration of digitalization in daily life and our continued leadership in semiconductor technology, TSMC is entering a period of highly structured growth. The executive moved to reassure TSMC shareholders. He expressed continued optimism on chip demand from the 5G and automotive electronic sectors. He said that besides continuing its Taiwan expansion, TSMC was pushing forward with factories in the U.S. and Japan. Capital spending is estimated at between 40 billion and 44 billion U.S. dollars for the year, he said. 
Also on Wednesday, Liu addressed reports that TSMC planned to build factories in Singapore, Germany and Italy. Focusing on the needs of our clients as the primary consideration, we've recently begun construction in the U.S. and Japan. Over in Europe, our client base is relatively small, but we are still conducting assessments. At present, there are no concrete plans for projects there. Last month, U.S. President Joe Biden visited Japan and South Korea with an eye on bolstering cooperation. On Wednesday, shareholders asked if a potential chip alliance could harm TSMC's competitive position. In addition, executives were asked to comment on a Chinese economist's recent remarks. Economist Chen Wenling had called on Chinese authorities to seize TSMC if the U.S. were to sanction Beijing. There's no need to worry. Working hard to expand our operations here in Taiwan, I believe that's the way to make the world sit up and take notice of us. For the fiscal year 2021, TSMC posted revenue of 1.59 trillion NT, an increase of 18.5% year-on-year. Earnings per share stood at 23.01 NT. For the second quarter of this year, the chipmaker will issue a cash dividend of 2.75 NT per share. To satisfy shareholders, it has pledged to maintain that dividend going forward, paying no less in every quarter than what it had paid in the previous quarter. Starting today, you can no longer buy insurance coverage for COVID-19 hospitalization and quarantine. Since the start of the Omicron wave, insurance firms have been cutting their COVID policies to control risk. Late Tuesday evening, Tai'an Insurance said it would stop selling its COVID care policy, the last one that was still available on the market. Hello. With the virus still on the prowl, many people have been inquiring about COVID care insurance. But as of today, it's too late to take out a policy. Tai'an Insurance was the last company offering COVID insurance for quarantine and medical treatment. On the evening of June 7, it declared that the popular offering was no more. These days, more and more people are testing positive for COVID. Among those around me, those I know, there are more and more cases. I can understand why they are terminating their COVID care policy. Nothing can be done about it, but this will impact many people's rights. The insurance companies should have thought this through at the beginning. There are many other countries they could have looked at for examples, and it's not like those other countries are completely without this insurance. With the epidemic on the rise, insurance companies have cut their pandemic policies from 81 to just 12 options. All 12 remaining policies only cover adverse reactions from COVID vaccines. Insurers say that they can no longer sustain the losses incurred by claims. In Taiwan's insurance market, total income from pandemic policies is less than 2.8 billion NT, but payouts have reached nearly twice that at 5.48 billion NT, 1.4 billion of which was paid in one week alone. In light of their losses, insurers are refusing to offer pandemic travel insurance for when the borders reopen. People want to buy travel insurance when traveling abroad. This insurance typically covers sudden illness and infectious diseases. But because insurance companies are now afraid of excessive payouts, they are all excluding infectious diseases from their travel insurance policies. Infectious diseases won't be included among the claim items. Several countries, including Thailand, Vietnam and Malaysia, are offering pandemic insurance to arriving travelers, but the policies are very expensive. 
In Taiwan, domestic tour operators want local insurers to provide cheaper options. So far, insurers have firmly refused to do so, citing the great losses already incurred this year. The pandemic has hit bus companies hard, but relief could be on the way. The transport ministry plans to spend 500 million NT to support struggling coach bus companies. If the plan goes through, companies will be subsidized monthly based on their ridership numbers from July until October. The relief program is awaiting final approval by the ministry. The ministry's plan is to give subsidies based on the number of passengers. Our hope in providing this type of stimulus is to reward companies for working to get more passengers so that we can overcome these trying times. Considering the very serious situation we find ourselves in, there should be some subsidies. We bus operators will definitely exhaust our options in attracting passengers. Of course, we will engage in marketing promotions. Under the plan, bus companies will receive a 20 NT subsidy for every passenger carried on a short-distance route. For medium-distance routes, they'll get a per-passenger subsidy of 60 NT, and they'll get 100 NT per passenger on long-distance routes. If the plan is approved, bus companies can apply to the Directorate General of Highways with their passenger counts to receive the subsidies. With COVID cases riding high, the pets of COVID patients are getting the short end of the stick. For many folks in self-isolation, walking a dog is now a serious headache. But a digital platform is offering zero-contact dog walking service. A professional dog walker will come to your door, pick up your pooch, and take it for a stroll around the neighborhood, all while social distancing. We climb the stairs behind a professional dog walker. The dog is already waiting at its owner's front door. When you need to self-isolate, not being able to take pets for walks or toilet trips can become a stressful problem. He will never go to the toilet unless he's outside. He holds it in however long you keep him indoors. Now a businesswoman has spotted the market demand. People in isolation want help to walk dogs in a COVID-safe, zero-contact manner. After the dog walker picks the pet up, she disinfects the lead with alcohol. The platform's founder says she's getting 40 bookings a day across Greater Taipei. After a phone booking and communication via the app, the dog walker comes to the house and picks the pet up with zero contact. After the walk, I spray myself with alcohol and then the lead, and lastly, I throw away the disposable glove, so there's no contact whatsoever with the owner. The dog walkers are fully equipped to carry out their walking duties masterfully. They take photos and video along the route and report to the owner on how their baby is doing. When the walk is over, the pet is left tied to the front door and the owner is alerted via the app. Payment is fully digital. Bookings have exploded since the pandemic worsened. At first, the walking service would just get a few bookings a week. Very few people were using the service. But since the daily COVID cases hit the tens of thousands, I've been getting dozens of bookings a day. It's gradually growing, so I can get hundreds a week. Each dog gets a 30-minute walk, and one walker can complete three or four walks in an afternoon. This innovative platform is helping animals get through the pandemic with as much of their daily routine intact as possible, even while their owners go through the stress of isolation. 
It's 150 years since the Canadian missionary George Mackay landed in Taiwan and went on to devote the rest of his life to education, medicine and religion on the island. A new opera celebrates the life of his wife, Minnie Mackay. Mrs. Mackay was born Zhang Tsongzi, the daughter of a poor family in rural Taipei. She became a pioneer of the women's movement and a highly influential missionary. Formosa Bloom will play at the Taipei Performing Arts Center on July 8th and 10th and at the National Kaohsiung Center for the Arts in November. Opera singers belt out a rousing duet in Taiwanese. Taipei Chinese Orchestra has teamed up with composer Li Zhe-yi to commemorate the 150th anniversary of George Mackay's arrival in Taiwan. Along with film director Wei De-shen, they've produced the new opera Formosa Bloom, focusing on the strong woman behind Mackay, his wife Minnie. She became a missionary and a very important link between the foreign world and the local world. So this marriage became a very important impetus for Mackay to spread his mission in Taiwan, particularly in terms of his care for women. Minnie Mackay, also known as Zhang Tsongming, dedicated her life to spreading Christianity with her husband, promoting medical services and education, as well as gender equality. The opera uses the Taiwanese language within a Western art form, which is no mean feat. For Li, an award-winning composer, it was an exciting challenge. We can use the art forms of others to tell our own stories. In the future, we won't be performing other people's operas in Taiwan. We'll be taking our own operas abroad to perform on stages overseas. This is really valuable for the stature of Taiwanese culture. The new opera aims to celebrate the service of the Mackays through music, using a Western art form to express a Taiwanese story.